passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to this week's Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, joined remotely by Wei Tang. And my very first question, Wei, that should have been asked 90 seconds ago, should I be recording anything on this end? I think you're fine. I think you're okay. Um, are you sure? This whole thing, this whole operation is hanging on by a thread. This is the first time, John, I have ever tried doing a remote cafe hangout through the magic of the internet so uh if it all falls apart i think people will understand but i think we're okay everything is completely different this time around this is uh the safest edition of the cafe hangout that we have ever presented and this is a first way i did my i think the first time i ever did a podcast with waiting was in 2008 and there's two ways we have done it either in person or on skype but never on skype where i'm looking at you way and I really am just here. You are staring at me on my screen. This is a first. I, yeah, it's a first, um, but certainly not the last. And I think it it it'll work. I'm I'm confident it'll be okay. I have all my trust in you. I'm I am merely the just uh, talking head here. You are the brains behind this oh, entire okay. operation and a flawless presentation last week. So if something goes wrong this week, it's all on me, not you. Oh, please. I think people are very happy to have you back. And you know what? Um, I'm very excited. I mean, I'm not concerned at all about this. I'm sure this will hold up. It's when we try to get the phone calls in that I, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be tensing up really bad. So um, let's try it out. You know, uh, we're going to open up all the phone lines. But however, the caveat that I don't think we can take actual phone phone calls through our usual phone line. What we can do is take calls through Skype. So if you open up your Skype app or Skype on desktop or whatever, search for post wrestling, you can call us. You can do audio call. I think we could even try video calling. So those of you who are, are, are uh, brave enough and also, uh, you know, with the capability of, of talking to us through video, we would love to see your faces. This one might be a first. Yeah, let's let's hold off on that before everyone calls in, because off the top, we are going to be discussing uh, the Benoit documentary from a few nights ago. But um, my other question, way. What shirt are you wearing? I am wearing an OSW What Bar Christmas shirt, which uh, we received from our friend Jay Hunter about a year and a half ago. And I actually sleep in this shirt. It is incredibly comfortable. So, Did you sleep in that shirt last night? I did sleep in the shirt. I'm actually like, I haven't changed clothes in probably like a week. You were made for this. I, I was made for it, yeah. Um Anyway, so, yeah, representing OSW. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so we will look forward to your calls in the second half of the show. We'll also get into some news items uh, that will be discussed. I guess uh, we will discuss the latest in the uh, the chapter of John Jones and uh, what is going on with him. Uh, but off the top, let's discuss the uh, season two premiere of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, featuring the episode on Chris Benoit. It premiered to... Um, a great reception on Tuesday night, the highest rated uh, episode in the history of the series by a wide margin. There was a lot of focus on this. This is arguably the biggest story in wrestling history uh, from a mainstream media level of coverage. I think that this one would be uh, ahead of Owen Hart even as well. I mean, those are the two big ones. And, uh, you know, I've had a chance to talk about it uh, with Jeff Merrick with the interview that's up on the website, but I've not had a chance to speak with you uh either on any of our shows or even privately about the documentary way. So I wanted to get at first just some of your overall thoughts on how such a difficult story was handled in this two hour format. I thought it was handled really well. 
Um, I mean, first of all, I think honestly, the, the what I'm really happy about is the fact that this documentary allows us to actually discuss it for such a long time. You know, since everything that had occurred, it just felt like this was a story that people wanted to shy away from, whether because they had heard so much about it at the time that it occurred, or because they did just didn't want really want to open up any sort of uh, wounds and. Um, maybe also the discussion that, hey, how much more can we learn about this? What I, I thought the documentary certainly showed that there was far more perspective on the show, uh, on, on the discussion that we hadn't heard of, primarily from, you know, uh, that of David Benoit, who I thought this whole project was almost like, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that, for the fact that he now actually has a voice and that he actually exists in the wrestling world, because I think for a long time, you know, like like the guy said, it was almost like he didn't exist. Um, and with with the wiping away of of, of his father's memory, of course, kind of came the wiping away of uh, his own personal relationship with the wrestling world. And you know that part was really sad. And so I'm glad this whole thing existed. If anything, just just to kind of like fix that issue a little bit. It has been repeated many times of just how instrumental Chavo Guerrero Jr. was and. You can certainly look at him that he was the key to so many of these other important people being involved in this project. Like you have to imagine uh, the Chris Jericho's of the world, uh, others involved here have probably been asked countless times to do different interviews or things surrounding this story. And it had to be the right setting that they were going to sit down and be as open about this and feel comfortable in this situation to talk about it. So I think Chavo Guerrero, uh, certainly to me, without him. Uh, maybe this thing doesn't even get produced. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he brought on so many of the other people connected to it. And I'm, you know, knowing that he was actually in the room for David's interview, at least I wonder how many other interviews too. I'm sure that, that, you know, provided a level of comfort and a level of, you know, willingness to, to be open and honest about such a painful topic. How about uh, as much about uh, Benoit uh, as this documentary is, it's very much, his connection to Eddie Guerrero and his mm-hmm. death in November of 2005. And I mean, that is the the haunting memory to me way of that Eddie Guerrero uh, tribute show that they did. They actually did, did two of them that week, but it was the testimonial from Chris Benoit that is, is shown here of a man that is just absolutely broken from the loss of, of his friend and having to continue to, to wrestle throughout this period and continuing to go on but that that's really looked upon as like this breaking point for him. And then some subsequent losses in his life as well of other people uh, like Victor Marr, who was a black cat and had an, an enormous influence on him. Uh, Johnny Grunge, who was uh, somebody in that in that Georgia scene that he was close with as well. He's losing them shown, in actually shown in the documentary. He was shown in the documentary. They died in, in January and February of 2006, respectively. Um, and that. It gets coupled with, with Eddie's loss as well. So it's to me um, a real insight when we're hearing from Vicky Guerrero and just her connection to uh, Nancy Benoit after the loss of Eddie and getting to see firsthand how shattered Benoit was in this period. Certainly, certainly. I mean, I think that talking point has always been brought up on, you know, things such as podcasts and, and whatnot when discussing reasons what that, that may have uh, affected Chris Benoit's mental state leading into that weekend. Um, but I don't think it's ever been like presented in a way like this where you can kind of see a narrative. And of course, like in the end, it's like could be a combination of really any things. But I, I, I do feel like the documentary makes a real case that this the, the death of Eddie Guerrero uh, had some significant effect on, you know, the last years of Chris Benoit's life and maybe even towards the last weekend. But um I didn't expect that, honestly. You know, when I thought that saw that this was a Chris Benoit documentary, I didn't realize that I was going to get so much on Eddie as well. And that, to me, was like some of the most painful, most difficult, and most emotional um, portions of the documentary. I, I certainly teared up a number of times. Just God, watching Vicky and watching Chavo, you know, have to relive those moments and to talk about them. Um, they're incredibly painful, but at the same time, it's like I'm happy to kind of, in a way be able to share that grief, you know, with, with these people. Um, because I mean, everybody who watched Eddie loved him and just to kind of like feel the full breadth of like, uh, at least a portion of, you know, what, what, what the closest ones to, to him might've felt, I think was, 
um, I don't know, a, a bit of a, a a way that we can perhaps, you know, carry a bit of the burden. And, you know, it's uh, that part was really difficult. But um, I think it made for a really complete photo of her or at least a more complete photo of maybe where Chris Benoit's mental state was heading into that weekend. Um, to me, this became a story as much about like wrestling as, you know, it became about mental health. And I, th- I think, you know, things have come a long way since 2007 or even 2005 when maybe, you know, he was exhibiting a lot of these signs, but, um, that really kind of, it really calls into question, um, where he was at, how much concussions might've played, of course, but just, man, just the, the amount of trauma that, you know, losing so many loved ones might've, might've played as well. Yeah. And I think like that's consistent throughout so many of the the subjects in the documentary is the struggle they have of trying to come to grips with that horrific weekend of this person that they knew that, you know, they, they showed the clip of Chavo Guerrero from that, uh, you know, that Benoit episode that they did that night in 2007, uh, which is explored that he would trust Chris with his children like mm-hmm. that. It's and I, I think you can hear that in the interview with Jeff Merrick as well. This this friend of his and trying to under trying to analyze this. And there's no answer that's going to leave you with an understanding of that weekend. It's it's horrifying um, how all of this ended with with two victims here in Nancy and Daniel. But here they have a of a friendship and for those that were so close to this guy um trying to be able to to separate the two it's it's very difficult when they're in the middle having to assess this even with that much time removed from 2007 yeah yeah absolutely um can you maybe take yourself back to like that day and and you know because i remember actually john you and i when we heard about the, the news, it was on, I, I think like many people, we saw it on WWE.com at the time and we were working at the fight network and we were working actually that day on an, like an obit piece for air before of yeah. course, every, all the news had come out. That's right. Like we, we had found out like pretty much most would have known just finding out when WWE put the notice out that afternoon and had, like you just default to something had to have gone just horribly wrong that led to it. I mean, people were just speculating, like, was this, you know, the carbon monoxide theory that people had or just what could have happened? Because it's not until the news started to come out uh, later that evening that suddenly you realized what had occurred here, that this was being investigated as a as a murder suicide. And that was I mean, I think we found out about that like shortly after Raw when when that news started to come our way um, because I had not heard anything throughout Raw um, in, in that sense. And, you know, that's that's a part that has been uh, discussed about, like, did were there people at WWE that had any kind of inkling of this? Was there a state of denial? And what was that small circle of of who knew what um, at that point going ahead? Certainly you look at that that tribute show and it's. You know, you have to imagine where, what the decision making is and, you know, not to necessarily compare to what's going on right now, but that show must go on mentality is very embedded in the, in this company. Like the idea of something tragic has occurred. We just have to stop. That hasn't been the playbook that they move forward and they chose to move forward that night with, with that show and apologizing for it 24 hours later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly do. Like, I don't really fault them, honestly, for, for doing the show um, because so many moving parts, um, you know, are in motion when you're when you're putting a show like that together. And I don't know. It's it's really hard to say how much somebody knew, but I, I can't imagine like the vast majority of the crew knew and just the undertaking to 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 just completely overhaul the show. I mean, probably hours, if not minutes before going to air. I I, I don't know how how easy or how realistic that might have been. Uh, I certainly don't envy them to be in that position to have to scramble to create a show like that. So I, and I really don't, don't fault them. Um, you know, I, I don't that. like, I don't cast like this judgment on like, just not having like a clear sense of that entire picture. But I will say that, you know, we, we have seen like how the knee jerk reaction was with, with Owen 
continue the show here. We go ahead with raw. And, you know, that's a mentality that I don't expect to change for Vince McMahon in his lifetime. But sometimes the question of, well, can we physically go ahead and do this show? The people are here. Sometimes the question is like mentally, should we be going through with this? Are we making the right judgment given the circumstances? This is a traumatic event and let's just defer because we're not in the right state of mind. We're grieving. And that's not something typically associated with, you know, professional wrestling, where it is always that show must go on mentality. I hope that's something that in time passes. And, you know, these people need time to grieve. That was something I came out of this documentary with. It's so often that everything just keeps going. Think of the loss in these people's lives beyond like a Benoit or an Eddie. These people have how many friends they have lost over their lifetime and it's just, you keep going, you keep going. And it's kind of, you just repress these feelings. And it's a tremendous amount of loss for a lot of these performers that have been in this industry for several decades. Certainly, yeah. Um, I, I was, I thought, as far as, you know, a cast of uh, subjects that they interviewed, I, I think they they got everybody I, I would have really wanted to, to hear from that they could have for, possibly gotten. And I, I suppose it was almost just good timing, the fact that, even somebody like a, a the fact that a Chris Jericho was available, um, the fact that uh, a Jim Ross was available and not under the WWE umbrella. I think you know he as a representative of the company's mind state at the time and everything. Uh, by default, he kind of had to become the defense of WWE in this, and yeah. you know that's I I felt like there could have been more discussion about the wellness policy. And that's certainly, you know, Jim Ross, Jim Ross was not head of talent relations at that time. This was the John Laurinaitis period, but it was a job that he had held that title at, at one point mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the, the decision on the tribute show. That to me is like, that's not Jim Ross's call. And I, I don't believe Jim Ross would have been aware uh, of anything, nor would he have the jurisdiction to decide to go ahead or not. So and I also I, I don't know if this was all one sit down with Jim Ross, but you have to imagine they've like he will be heavily involved in that Owen Hart episode. Mm. Like think of just all of these things he has to relive and go through. I I couldn't imagine like this had to have been a long sit down, potentially, even if it's spread out over a few days. It's reliving some of the most traumatic moments of his life. Yeah, I have to imagine. Um, I mean, these these shows you're. When you sign up for them, I mean, it's you're signing up to to really unearth, I think, a lot of really painful memories for anybody involved. But hopefully, you know, at, at least it seems to be the case for a certain number of people that that were uh, that have been particip participants of the show. I mean, it it feels like it's a form of therapy to be able to get it all out there. Certainly for David Benoit, it, it, from from what we've heard since then, it sounds like he he was incredibly grateful to be able to get this stuff out there. And like I said, you know, the fact that this na this man now at least exists, because I, re I remember like years ago, photos of him came out backstage. And I think the immediate reaction from many people watching was just or seeing the photos was that, oh, my God, look how much he looks like Chris Benoit. It's it's this is so strange. This is so weird. And it's that kind of like, uh, I don't know, feeling of like discomfort that I think people mm, didn't really enjoy. Um, and the idea of him like. You know, I believe there were rumors at the time as well that he was trying to train to become a wrestler. And I don't know if that was necessarily met with that much um, uh, enthusiasm from from the audience either. And and ultimately, that's all to say that, that you know, those reactions, while I can understand, were are incredibly unfair. And, you know, the the ability that he was able to at least get his side of the story out there and to get his voice out there and real and, and the realization that he was uh, like somebody who was one of the biggest victims in, in this whole thing. I, I thought that was really great. Yeah, I, I think that you come out of this with a, a profound sense of of empathy towards uh, David and what he has had to live with for the past 13 years. It's unimaginable what he has had to go through. And he alludes to the way people look at him. And I mean, this guy, he was he was born to this man who committed the, these heinous crimes and through absolutely no fault of his own, he has had to walk with that burden. So that to me, you know, he, I, I was happy to hear him. Uh, he was on Busted Open Radio the other day and just stating that he got this entire weight off his shoulders by participating in this. And I really hope that's the case that he is able to kind of get this out there and get a bit of a sense of closure to this. You, you would hope um, 
that also moves on to uh, the role uh, Matthew Randazzo plays in the documentary. And I guess David had been critical of him being involved in this. To me, you had to have this person there that was going to walk you through the details because that's part of the story. And as much as we can look at the different potential causes, we, we cannot just overlook what happened and just forget about how horrific this was. This was a horrific crime that occurred that weekend in the home that left two people dead. And that is the severity of this. And I think that that like you can't just this you can't just forget about the weekend. We know that exists and it had to be part of this. Was that his problem with 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 his inclusion or, or did he not like the book? You know, I, I don't know what um, what David's specific issue was. I just saw that he wasn't crazy about Matthew Rendazzo being part of this. But um, regardless of what he thinks about him, I mean, that person had to be in there. And if it wasn't Matthew Rendazzo, someone else that has studied the case intimately that can go through all the details because, you know, that's that's not going to be left to mm-hmm. any of Chris's friends or or people that were in his life. It's going to be on a reporter journalist that has studied the case. So I like you couldn't do this documentary and just at the final minute, it's kind of I think that that is the weight of all of this, this accumulation of Chris Benoit's life, whatever it was like, this was the ending portion of it. And it can be debated how people are going to remember Chris Benoit, but that is how many are going to remember him? Uh, you know, as far as the production elements itself, I think, it, it, you know, it continues to to do a great job of those reenactments. Uh, just, I think, incredibly chilling um, in in effect. You know, and I, I said this to, to Evan when he was on a guest on the show. I, I think in many ways, like seeing some of those scenes reenacted was better than actually having the footage itself because you could control the mood and the tone of it. And it worked out really well. And we actually, I believe, we have Steve Kassan in the chat room right now, who is one of the uh, the the actors who is uh, playing a role in some of those enactments. So if you do get a chance to call in, Steve, we'd love to talk to you about that. Also, Tyson Dukes played uh, Chris Benoit in the actual uh, 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 scenes itself, and I, I thought he did a great Ch- job. Channing Decker is in it as well, an- another local wrestler. I believe he played uh, Jericho, I think, in some of the scenes. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, and, you know, quite a lot of WWE footage in this as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's always, honestly, I didn't think that they were going to be able to get away with it um, following last season. Uh, but, you know, evidently they, they have been and, and it's been no issue. Um, I, 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 you know, as, as I think Evan has discussed, it's, it operates under fair use, um, some, some form of fair use and, you know, it, they've been able to to get away with it. Was that the case for any of the episodes in season one? I don't think there was any. There was, was there? a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of WWE okay. footage. Okay, then I'm totally just blanking it out then. Yeah. that um, I just associated all the reenactments as the um, as the B-roll. But yeah, so um, a- any other f- final thoughts? Just like positive, negative, um, how oh. the WWE came off in this? Hmm. How did they come? Oh, I think... They could certainly be faulted, and it's this this blame. I don't think just goes to the WWE, but like really the rest of the world at large, and and really even the audience. You know, it's and it's just the fact that um, they. I don't think they paid any attention to David Benoit or uh, the family of of Nancy Benoit after the fact, and that that part, I I was pretty disappointed to hear. Um, it doesn't make them look good. Um, uh, you know, it's uh. But, you know, as far as, you know, the way that they they treated Chris Benoit with the memorial show, I think we've we've discussed that. Um, it if wa- you were WWE and you felt the need to have some representation here for your, you know, for whatever reason, who would you send to be that representative to speak on behalf of the company? Because I don't think it would be Vince McMahon. I don't think it would be Vince either. Um who would you send to be a representative that you would be able to trust to be able to, you know, have your best interests? Uh, Paul Levesque? That, I mean, that would be sort of at the top of my list. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't really see them um, doing it, but it, it's like, you know, who were some of the voices that they had represent them during the whole circus, the whole media circus after everything came out? I mean, they had a lot I'm, of people speak. 
And they had some awful representatives of the company going out there and making a farce of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would say, like, if you were WWE, it would come from the, the standpoint. And believe me, this this would certainly be attached to, you know, a public relations side of things to go out there and state the inadequacies of their wellness policy at the time and juxtapose it to today. And I think that you you have to at least give credit that. We we are not seeing these enormous problems at the same level as they were in the mid two thousands. I mean, I I certainly feel like even recently you could put point some fingers at at the the you know credibility of this wellness policy with just the weirdness that that's been going on over the past year. How do you go for several years without any any positive tests and then you know several uh, in a string at the same time, several violations at the same time? I. I think that's that's certainly still a point of contention in my mind. Yeah, certainly. Um, any other final thoughts before we head on to the news? Next week, it's going to be New Jack, the life and crimes of New Jack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it it certainly might not be as heavy of a subject as something like this. Uh, other than that, it's, it'll be this and the Owen that I think will be the most affecting uh, for for audiences. But, you know, the New Jack one, I think, will be really curious and i think uh, in many ways pretty dark as well so um i i I thought they did a great job and i i think the series you know it 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 really like manages to handle these really really sensitive subjects with great research and a presentation that i think is not too exploitive and you know is ultimately a classic and classy and i think a good representation to show a non-wrestling fan hey like this is one of the the biggest stories in wrestling history here it is in two hours um you know here's an understanding of it so i i think they did a great job so uh Let's just uh, jot through just a few news items today, and then we're going to open up uh, phone lines for the rest of the show. We're going to be going uh, an hour today. But uh, this came out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, from the KOAT news outlet that was the first to report that early Thursday morning, late Wednesday night, um, John Jones, UFC light heavyweight champion, arrested uh, and facing several charges. This was after officers had responded um, after one gunshot had gone gone off, and when they got to the area... They discovered John Jones in his vehicle. The engine was running. Uh, Jones denied having any knowledge of this gunshot, but was displaying signs of being intoxicated. So they performed a sobriety test, and it's believed that he was at least twice over the legal limit. Um, And then they discovered a handgun in the vehicle along with a half-empty bottle of alcohol. So he was taken in and is facing charges of aggravated DWI, negligent use of a firearm, possession of an open container and no proof of insurance inside the vehicle. And he has since been released from custody. And this is just the latest in a long line of legal problems for John Jones. And um, I don't even know what to say at any point. This is a pattern of problems uh, that date back years and years. And a guy that ultimately, I mean, we can say that he needs help. Um, I, I just... I don't know what more to say other than that this pattern continues. No matter what um, mm-hmm. stretch he goes through without incident, it always seems to find its way back to something like this. Really disappointing, you know, and um, man, coming off of like what the subject of like what we were talking about on this show, it really like makes me fear for the worst in the future with, with somebody like this and, and the the amount of behavior that I think he's been demonstrating on a regular basis at this point, to me, like the bigger question is: should he, should this guy be, you know, fighting? Should this guy be presented on a main stage, headlining these cards, while he's still clearly dealing with a lot of personal stuff? Yeah, I think that that's a um, very relevant question and one that, um, you know, I. I don't know what the the UFC's response to this will be if they simply just put their hands up and he's going to deal with these legal matters that aren't going to um, impact them. And they just go with the notion that he'll get his day in court. We'll see what the UFC's response is uh, to all of this. But, you know, at at a time when the UFC, you know, they're as much as anyone going through a really rough period right now, you want to be putting once they get the go ahead to be putting fights together, they want to be putting up 
the biggest fights possible for this year. And John Jones, you would think, would figure into those immediate plans as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, I'm just concerned about this individual, that this is, you know, the idea of, well, he's just it's John Jones and immaturity and such. It's like this is there is a large problem here with this guy that you just hope that there are people around him that are concerned about the individual and not the commodity of John Jones. Um, so anyway, there's not much more to say about on that front. Uh, did you get to see NXT on Wednesday night? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't watch all the matches, but I, I kind of saw the main angles and everything. So, yeah, I did. I, I, I like that the show, they're moving forward with the takeover matches that will begin next week and, you know, building up in two weeks for Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And at least everything does have a, a focus at the moment. Uh, I really enjoyed the Matt Riddle Roderick Strong match. That was my mm-hmm. favorite match of both both programs on Tuesday night. I, agree. I thought one of the one of the better an empty match of the year candidate. Wow, that far, eh? <laughs> I think it has to be in the conversation, don't you think? Uh, I, maybe not number one, but I thought it was pretty damn great. I was surprised at how much I liked that match too, and and I, I really do wonder why because um, you know, was it a change in style? Like they were working a lot, a lot more on kind of ground base, almost like jujitsu grappling level stuff. And that type of stuff to me, like I've, I've seen grappling matches and they often take place in front of like a pretty empty, quiet arena anyway, um, in many cases. So I felt like that kind of translated really well to this empty arena setting. Um, I, I enjoyed that match a lot too. Um, I think having, you know, essentially their big takeover to build up to certainly gives the show some direction. Uh, and it's something AEW had up until last week when they still had blood and guts to promote to this week, obviously with AEW, they, who knows what, what their next big show is going to be. Um, so this episode felt a lot more, I would say directionless. Uh, whereas I think NXT, I I do wonder maybe what their taping schedule is going to be like, how much they're taping in advance. Um, how, how, you know, um, and, 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 are, are they are they are they going to go through the, sort of a similar taping schedule as you know what the main roster is with with WrestleMania? Um, I think that level of focus will will help these shows in the next few weeks. Uh, also, to note, the Three Arena in Dublin, Ireland, has announced that the UK Takeover event that was set for next month has been pushed back, uh, and they're listing a new date of October twenty fifth. So way down, uh, way down in the year um, mm-hmm. to potentially be running that Takeover event and. Um, that's, that's it. Um, WWE should be wrapping up their, their taping schedule today in, in Orlando, and that will cover them through, uh, WrestleMania and the night after raw. And then I guess it's assessing w- what happens after that. And all of these companies are just looking for any answers because it's, uh, there's no timeline on any of this. It's just do what you can now. And then we'll assess where the world is a week from now. Pretty oh. much, yeah, one thing at a time, you know. Um, but as far as like NXT goes, we we should also maybe mention um, again the continued tease of who is presumed to be the Killer Cross's arrival um, at the end of the show. I liked the video a lot at the at the end. I thought it was like a really unique, great video. Mm-hmm. I think a good way to go off air, you know, especially at a time where you can't necessarily do the big surprise pop um, without the re- audience reacting to it. I think just showing the video worked out. Um, trying to think what, what else, what other, like, you know, the return of Io Shirai, uh, getting into that, t- uh, ladder match. Sure. Great. Um, and then when, next week notable? we've got, and next week we've got Velveteen Dream against Bobby Fish. And they're also doing a, a last chance opportunity, uh, with the women that lost their qualifying matches for the ladder match, vying for the last spot in that, uh, ladder match. Yes. So and also that's coming uh, up next week. The debut of um, uh, Stokely, uh, Mal- Malcolm Bivens' new tag team as well. Yes, yes. He has uh, finally made his uh, on-screen debut as well. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the highlights of NXT. You can also listen to Up Next with uh, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman with a thorough rundown of NXT from Wednesday night. But uh, I'm looking at the clock, and we don't have a super long amount of time today. So let's open up the uh, phone lines for the rest of the show. If you want to chat about the Benoit documentary, if you want to talk about any other subjects that are going on in pro wrestling or MMA, uh, you name the topic and we will discuss it. Yeah, you can call us by going onto Skype and searching for post wrestling. You can either try, you can do an audio call for sure, but if you want to uh, give us a video call as well, you can feel free to do that. And we'll, we will try our best to hold this whole thing together to get you on air. Uh, 
let's uh, say you know say hello to several people who are watching us in the chat room right now. Uh, a lot of you guys, I guess, with a bit more free time uh, and you're at home, so you can catch these shows at three o'clock. Uh, a reminder: we're going to be here next week at two p.m. for a big edition of the Cafe Hangout. The Super Cafe Hangout. You want to call it the Super Cafe Hangout? Excellent. Okay, so yeah, this will be essentially a, a placeholder for our Q and A. Uh, that we were supposed to do in Tampa, and uh, it it will be going for two hours, uh, taking all your questions, and also be we'll also be selling a T-shirt for uh, great causes. Um, I can name a couple right now. Uh, one of the charities that we wanted to uh, raise some funds for was the Sunnybrook Foundation, which is a local hospital here in Toronto, but also one that features a research f- facility that has uh, isolated the one of the uh, the main. Um, one of the main genes of, of the COVID-19 um, virus. And so I, I'm probably getting all that, all the science wrong, but uh, you know, that is certainly at least one of the uh, um, uh, charities we wanted to devote our attention to, but I think we have our first call is Let's Chris from LA. Oh, Chris from LA. Are you around? Yeah. Do you guys hear me? We can hear you. Perfectly clear. Hey, how's it going, Chris? It's going all right. Make do with this uh, coronavirus nonsense, and you know that's about it. So, what what's the kind of your day to day like? Are you just uh, pretty much indoors all day? Give us a sense of how things are uh, where you are. Okay, so um, I, I I'm work at the um, college out here. Um, my, all of my classes were switched to online. Um, and then there were some like older, like tenure tracks professors that never got um, the certification to teach online. So they're kind of have to give up some of their classes or just take the training course. Um, but for me, I'm just kind of, um, the city's locked down, like all of Southern California is locked down. So I'm just kind of, um, staying home and I don't really know how, I have multiple sclerosis, so I don't know how that's going to react to um, the coronavirus. And um, I haven't heard anything uh, from the CDC about it, and I just don't want to find out. So I'm just kind of staying back. Uh, well, we uh, hope that things are as uh, safe as can be. It's um, you know very very stressful time given you know the what whatever people uh, are dealing with. Um, Curious, uh, Chris, if you had a chance to see the uh, the Benoit documentary this week. I did. Um, I saw the Benoit documentary and I uh, listened to your um, interview with uh, Jeff Merrick. Um, that was like I was I was listening to the law back in those days with him. And I know Donnie. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that that documentary just it's it really put a bad taste in my ma- in my mouth for um, Vince McMahon and just kind of how he um, goes about his business. It's almost like, you know, he, just how he kind of really like wants to, when these tragedies and things like this happen, because um, it had me thinking about like Melanie Pillman in that interview he did after Raw and just going through with the, um, over the edge pay-per-view after Owen, um, you know, had his accident and all just all these different thoughts came in my head watching that and just, you know, um, David Benoit kind of felt bad for him. He didn't, you know, do a double murder, you know what I'm saying? And it's just kind of like, you know, how quick he is to wash his hands of, of the kid. You know, and like you were saying, um, I, I want to say it was yesterday or something. You were talking about how he's just as much of a victim as, you know, everybody else involved. He, he's very much like a living victim. Like when you think about right. you know, what like I, I just can't imagine what the last 13 years have been like for him. And that's not someone that I, I imagine, you know, we, we were thinking about during this whole time. So I think it's, you know seeing firsthand um, the human toll that this took on those that were alive after this uh, weekend. And just just imagining that being thrust on you at the age, I, I don't know how old um, uh, David is right now, but obviously like this 13 years ago, um, I can't imagine, I just can't imagine having to go through such a, a huge portion of your life where you are just simply known as 
Chris Benoit's son. Um, yeah, that that really just hit me watching uh, the documentary when I saw it the first time. Yeah, it just kind of like, um, and I remember those interviews that um, Jeff Merrick used to um, conduct with, um, he conducted them with uh, Chris Benoit and he did some with like Saturn back in those days too. And, you know, they just seem like normal guys, you know, um, like I, and, you know, they would like, um, like I remember Perry Saturn even used to do like, movie reviews on that website and it was just um and just when that happened it was it just kind of showed you how crazy that like the wrestling business could be but yeah like I said I just really um I don't know like us like sometimes just you know things like you know the handling of the Benoit stuff and um you know just all the stuff that you know, the uh, WWE have had dirty hands with, it really does make me think twice about wanting to support them, like in the same way that I used to do. Like, I love uh, wrestling, but it's just, um, I can't, I, I don't watch WWE with the youthful eyes that I used to watch it with. Thank you for the call, Chris. No problem. Peace, y'all. Take care. Um, so, in the chat room, people are actually discussing a, maybe a, 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 a new story out there right now, and this is uh, that the fact that Teddy Hart appears to have been arrested again today. Um, this comes from Wrestling Inc., who says this was uh, Hart's third arrest this year, and uh, some added information from Fightful uh, as well. Um, it appears that he was involved in some sort of altercation with independent wrestler Ace Austin, and some of this, so, or sorry, sorry, Ace Montana, Ace Montana, who posted on Twitter, oh God, uh, I literally had to pull my gun on Teddy Hart and throw him out of my friend's house. This piece of shit literally choked out and physically assaulted Maria Manic and would not let her get help. She texted me, I'm in danger. Never ever did I think I would meet a piece of shit like this guy who has now been arrested with a felony against him. I don't think this guy knew how close to death, death he was. Ooh. And then uh, posting a video as well of of, uh, of of the altercation before the cops came and arrested him. So, unfortunate Boy. story. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's just uh, horrible. So, yeah, we will uh, follow up on that. Um, but, yeah, that story is just coming out now. So, um, we will discuss that later. Um, if you want to get your uh, calls in uh, before the end of the show, again, you can just uh, look up Post Wrestling on Skype and uh, we'll keep the calls uh, quick today. I want to fit in as many people as we can before uh, both of us have to kind of get out of here a bit earlier this week. But we will make up for it next week with the supersized edition. Too big for one hour. The Super Cafe Hangout next week. That is the tagline. Too big for one hour. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's... Ah, man, it just seems like it's a shitty day, like, you know, to to talk about combat sports figures and getting arrested. That's, man. And especially at a time like this one, like, people should just be staying at home anyway. Um, I think maybe we need to be, to have our spirits lifted up a little bit. And who better to do that than perhaps with our man, Neil. Neil, how you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing okay. Are you well? Doing well, oh, doing well. We're doing well. It's nice to it's hear that It's a real pleasure. Voice. Oh, thank you very much. And your voices, of course, have been in my ears, keeping me seeing over this past couple of weeks. It's um, First of all, just uh, a sincere thanks to you guys for um, keeping the post-wrestling ship afloat uh, under these circumstances and churning out the, the great content. And I was really, really happy to see the Double shot back. I always miss the double shot. So <laughs> at least there's a silver lining. Um, well, thanks, Neil. I, I don't want us to uh, be patting ourselves on the back. This is really nothing. So um, yeah. Well, a- any thoughts just on, on anything well, uh, going on in the news or earlier this week that you would like to discuss? Yeah, well, I mean, you do deserve a pat on the back, though, John. Come on. I mean, the, you, you, that interview with ja- Jeff Marrick, I thought, was absolutely terrific. A guy who clearly conflicted views about somebody he had become a close friend of and it's just uh, it was a terrific interview and really I just uh, I thought 
course, trying to put yourself into his mindset, um, a very, very tricky thing to do because he he clearly wasn't ready to say, ne- you know, he would never forgive. Um, as I think it was, um, oh, who on the documentary said that? Um, I can't remember, probably more than one. Um, I think you're referencing the, the comment from Sandra at the end about yes. being asked if she could ever forgive Chris. And she said she believes at some point she will be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like right near the end that she had mentioned that comment. And I mean, we didn't bring that up in our review, but I, I thought Sandra was just fantastic in this documentary. Yes. If you hadn't heard her interview uh, with Chris Jericho from a few years ago on his podcast, I mean, uh, I just think she was excellent in this documentary. And to me, someone that um, you to me has a very level-headed approach to this entire thing and no one would fault her if she didn't if she um was i mean she obviously is scarred from this but to me um has the ability to look at this from as much of a different vantage points as possible and i I thought she was like a, a total credit to this documentary by being part of it yeah yeah i remember i remember it all quite well you know and i remember being really very and I wonder, I mean, you get, it was part of your guys' job. Um, did it sour you on the whole pro wrestling scene at the time? Because I certainly got, you know, as more and more of the horrific details of, of you know, the Bibles being set by the bodies and all of that stuff, which is really hard to 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 listen to in the documentary. But I remember it all, you know, I'd forgotten some of those things and it comes back. And I, I just remember at the time in the sort of late 2000s thinking, I, I might be done with this whole. Of course, I wasn't. <laughs> the thing about pro wrestling is, you know, when you when you get into it as a kid, you often never shake it. But um, w- did you guys get really soured at all on the business because of? Because you of go it? ahead, Wayne. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm certain. You know, um, we all might have had those thoughts at the time. Um, I think, though, um, you know. Uh, this kind of goes more for John than, than myself, but we were probably so caught up in trying to like get the story and to really try to present it in, in, you know, however, whether it was like through the law or through, you know, things we were doing at the fight network that there was really wasn't enough time to think about it like that. I mean, we are certainly fans, but like, we're also, our, our hats are kind of different when, when it comes to looking at professional wrestling too. And if there's a story to follow, I think, that at least to me has always kind of been or my perspective. Um, you know, if anything, I yes. think that presented a, a scenario where it was more important than ever to kind of pace, uh, pay, pay close attention to professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely hated like the, you know, just, this was just 24 seven, this story. And it was just such a dark story, but I mean, that is, um, you know, you don't like that. That's part of the job. You know what I mean? There's, uh, unfortunately there's going to be, um, horrific things at times that you have to cover. Uh, I, I do remember that summer, like not being all that high on just watching wrestling. Like it just felt mm. very secondary to this, this larger um, story that was going on that I think everyone was kind of at a distance from just um, watching wrestling or, or at least being very engaged uh, in the product at that time. I think it was one of those kind of step back moments where people were taking a larger view at this industry as a whole and assessing you know, it's shortcomings, certainly. And yeah. maybe that's understating things. Maybe, yeah. Um, could I leave you guys with a quick question and then I'll get off the air and let someone else get in. Um, on that, just it's a quick follow-up on that sort of journalistic mindset way that you just brought up. If you guys were offered information this week on the results of WrestleMania, would you, as a fan, would you want to... Say no, or as a journalist, would you want to say, "Yeah, let me know," and what would you do with that info? Um, and that's that's it from me. I'll let someone else get on the air. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Thanks very Neil. much. Take care. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about this. I mean, it is news, and I think like Wayne and I have discussed, like we would put it up and label it as such, and it's really on you if you want to label it as a read spoiler, it, read it or not, and that's that's kind of it. I. I don't know if the if they'll come out. Um, you know, it's not like I've been told anything. So um, we'll see. It's to me the comparison. It's, it's much less like uh, 
television taping where you know everything's going to be up there without fail. But this is closer to like a season of Ultimate Fighter where there were some times when stuff would come out, but those are pretty rare, even up until recent seasons. So, um, you know, are our, our NDAs part of the equation in any of this? And I think that there's going to be extra caution among those just because it is a smaller circle that's going to be aware of this and is the company taking any precautions i actually have more questions about that like the the idea of results like are like i I just don't think twice about them it's not doesn't detract from my interest at all but um more so I'm, i'm more so curious like what measures are being taken if any um, in this unique set of circumstances where it's the only time probably we'll ever have this where WrestleMania will be done 10 days before it airs. Yeah, yeah. Me personally, I mean, I I, I, I would always like to have the experience of a fan. You know, I know we, we kind of talk about like uh, trying to cover this as journalists, but for me, like in order for me to give my opinion on a review show, I want to experience it the way that the producers intended for me to experience it and that obviously would probably be without spoilers so if they do come out um i would try my best to try to avoid them but you know obviously in in doing this job it, it might not be possible but i will definitely try my best i think we got hansi on the line hansi i did mute you so if you wouldn't mind muting yourself we can get you right on air uh and and sorry everybody who who's also trying to call in please keep trying to call in we only have one line um but we want to try to get to you as as, as soon as we can but hansi are you there? Yes. Yes. Uh, hi. Hi. Hi, guys. I, I didn't know if uh, I was going to get through. So I just I gave up and you called back. So I just thought, OK, I'll come back on. So I just wanted to say um, that, yeah, I, I saw the Benoit documentary. Um, it really I don't know, like I, I, I was in tears mostly for the Eddie stuff because like it just like, you know, what I mean, like I'm glad they covered the Eddie stuff. And it was just like it just like it just brought back like a lot of bad memories of like that time, whatever, because I I remember in 2007 like it was a really good year up until that whole Benoit thing happened because I remember like afterwards just like it was all like just like obviously considering what happened it just kind of like it wasn't like the same really and uh I just th- I just liked like the clips they showed of like you know the Wrestlemania I'm surprised they even got WWE's blessing for some of the, the footage being used I didn't I, I, didn't I don't it. think they got their blessing Hansi I think that was just the you know if you can if you look up like fair use i mean that it it's not something like wwe just handed this footage over or licensed it to them i don't think that was the case oh okay i i thought i thought i was like yo i'm surprised wwe just i i, I was surprised about that but um i'll, I'll talk about aw i you know i like yesterday's show a lot um okay i i i just you know the brody lee stuff and i know you guys covered it on your on your podcast but like I, I, I thought like okay, listen, if you want to take jabs at Vince McMahon, that's cool. But like, it just feels like Brody Lee is just doing a cosplay of Vince McMahon, and if that's like gonna be the whole character, like I understand, listen, he he got done dirty by Vince McMahon. If you if you, if the rumors are true about like you know getting added to the contract and then getting released, kind of in a way, I understand that like you want get some shots off but if you're gonna like make your whole character based off Vince McMahon I don't know how 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 much legs this fucking character has really you know what I mean uh it just it just kind of I don't know it just it just didn't really it it just didn't really like it didn't really come across well for me but the last segment with Jericho and uh um, Matt Hardy I think it's like one of their best segments like they've done in like a promo where like they mix humor with seriousness with it and I I really really liked it a lot and before I go, I just want to say, uh, you you guys have been an inspiration with me for doing the, like for podcasting and all that, and like many others as well. I just want to say that I started my own podcast. Uh, you know, it, it won't get as much traction, but I did start my own podcast during this pandemic. It, it only took me to the to the end end of the world basically to start this. But uh, you guys were like a huge inspiration for it. You know what I mean? I just, uh, you know what I mean? Cause I listened to you guys for so for like a decade plus already and uh, uh you guys were like actually like like an influence behind like my, like my podcast essentially but i just want to thank you for that what's your podcast oh it's called the bipolar coaster it's like it's on anchor i'm just doing it on my phone just test it out but uh but like yeah it's it, it, it's just starting out right now i kept a secret for a bit to record some podcast but then i kind of just publicized it because 
the trolls eventually found it. So I might always publicize it. But yeah, it's 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 all right. I, I started this week, but I've already done like four podcasts essentially. So I just want to thank you guys for being an inspiration and many others who have also inspired me as well. Well, good luck with that. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, Hansi. Take care. All right. I think uh, we're going to try to get to t- some more phone calls here. I want to get to Bruce. Please call back uh, in a bit. But first, we got Brandon from New Jersey. Can you just unmute your mic, Brandon? As we wait for the man himself. There How he is. That? Hey, how guys. You, how are you? How you doing, man? Happy belated birthday. You? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the well wishes. Thank you. I believe there was one of us who went out of their way to bring it up. <laughs> I, oh, John, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, man, I didn't expect that from you. Much love, my brother. Much love. I hope you're wow. doing well, man. What's on your mind, Brandon? Uh, yeah, John Jones, man. How do you get arrested during a pandemic? <laughs> I mean, I know that the, like there's going to be jokes made about this. I really don't think it's like funny. It's like I, I, it's not funny. I, I'm uh, just Brandon, saying, like, I, I understand like your... It's it's you. So I think everyone understands Brandon from New Jersey. Um, yeah, it's just I mean, no one can be stunned. It's uh, the the question is, like, how long this continues and where this ultimately ends. I mean, if how how do you think that this is uh, handled by UFC? Is it simply they just go on business as usual? They're going to book this guy a fight. Or do you think that there is uh, a larger issue here that is going to be eye opening? Oh, man, uh, nothing would surprise me. I mean, after all, I mean, they're getting that Khabib fight probably to Dubai. I saw them on a flight there. So, I mean, who knows what, how desperate uh, Endeavor is to, for that money to to get a, a big time fight on the on TV. They're but, going uh, to the, the Dana White Castle of Fear, yeah, home of UFC 249. I mean, Dana's actions uh, during this week and a half is just I mean, it, it's it's abominable. I mean, he's 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 the definition of uh, of what our president is. The absolute narcissist. It, oh. It's it's scary. It's sad. It, it's making me sour on the UFC completely. I mean, uh, why couldn't he be like Bellator when all this shit jumped off and just close up shop immediately like like Scott Coger did uh, instead? Or, this guy- or, at, or at the very least, like, listen, they're it's not like they are um, not being criticized uh, WWE, but. I mean, Vince McMahon just has almost no public profile anymore. I mean, he's not out there. Just could you imagine if this was in 2001 and Vince McMahon was just going stir crazy and doing interviews all over the place? While you know, if, at, at this point, at least WWE is running. UFC can't even run. And it just seems like every day Dana White's going on. He's crashing on like Instagram live feeds. He's just doing a new interview every day. And I think it's just this guy's just just going crazy that he can't run shows at the moment. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I just think the, the totality of his media appearances have just put him in a bad light among many who, I mean, the, the real world is not as focused on making sure that this fight happens on April 18th. There's bigger issues in the world. than and I know, I know this fight, everybody wants to see this fight, but, and, and, and I mean, there's bigger things at stake lives are at stake not, uh, who cares about a fight you can make it up anytime you want I and mean, i, I do feel for the fighters like the fighters are in an awful position here like they yeah, have they're not to getting no just, money like they don't know what like are we gonna get, see anything if this fight doesn't occur like they just they just don't know uh, for most of them they can't train because these gyms are closing in, in all of this uh, do i have a fight on this date should i be training is like, do am I still paying all of, all of my trainers during this period, or versus am I going to get paid at the end of it? it? The anxiety level has to be through the roof, and at a time when you might have to fight in the next couple of weeks, it I I can't imagine the stress level. Yeah, it's it's a crazy doggy business, man. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of uh, soured on it. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, thanks for taking my call and. Uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. The, the the postmarks appreciate it. We love you guys, and we love the content from the, everybody in the BD and everything like that. So uh, thank you, and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thank hey, you, Brandon. Brandon. 
Are we going to do one more call? Let's try to do one more here. And I think we got our first video call here from Bruce oh Lord. Bruce, if you wouldn't mind just unmuting yourself, we will get you right on air right there. So, yeah. There we go. Is that on? Yes. Yes, it is. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, yeah, good to see you guys. Um, just kind of wanted to echo what everybody else has been saying that – uh, you know, with the whole move to working from home and uh, every day bleeding into the next one, it's kind of nice to have some degree of normalcy, uh, you know, with the usual post schedule, uh, kind of reminding you of which day is Monday and which day is Wednesday and things like that. <laughs> the unofficial calendar. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, kind of just an open question, uh, I guess, regarding um, the the Benoit uh, documentary and what it sort of pertains to. I mean, like a lot of people, I found it, you know, it was difficult to watch. And it, of course, brought me back to the experience of finding out about this, uh, specifically in my case, living out on the West Coast. We were watching that episode of Raw with whatever it would have been a two or three hour delay. So by the time that was airing, the truth was out there. And so for the first hour or whatever it was, we were kind of in the weird position of knowing what had happened and then watching all of these guys kind of eulogize uh, Benoit. And I can vividly remember. Um, sorry to interrupt, Bruce. Oh, sorry, where, yeah. This is uh, this was in Canada, and you were on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were watching this on what would have been the Score at the time. Sounds it about right. It was, it was at a friend's house. I mean, I didn't have cable at the time, but when news broke out, we ran to a friend's house specifically. Because in the states, like the US, the USA Network did air this on the West Coast feed. The same thing. I wasn't aware that that was the case in Canada as well. So that's interesting. But uh, go yeah, ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I, I, no, no, no worries. I can't remember the details, but it was, you know, the, the the truth of it was out there on the internet by the time we were sitting down to watch it. Um, and I can really remember Regal was the one that really sticks out in my mind because you got the sense that by the time they got around to taping his segment or going live with him, people were beginning to find out what had happened. And there was just this such an abrupt shift in tone in his voice. He was, you know, trying to speak in this very measured way, only talking about Chris as a professional and as a wrestler, not as a person. And that that just, you know, was so haunting and eerie. Um, I, I guess the question that I would want to throw to you guys then is it seems to me that part of the value of this series has been sort of the, you know, cathartic and therapeutic value that it might have for people like Chavo and obviously for people like Benoit's son. And I guess I'm just sort of wondering as to why you think there's maybe been a cultural shift with regards to people within the industry being willing to talk about this sort of thing, um, you know, above and beyond the usual kind of protecting the business sort of attitude. I mean, obviously, I think it's a lot healthier, but I just have to think that, you know, if something a project like this was trying to be done even 15 years ago, you wouldn't get the same transparency uh, and, and candid commentary from so many people uh, involved in it. So I guess uh, I'll, I'll just leave you with that and uh, hang up. But uh, thanks for taking the call. And, uh, you know, again, thank you very much for, again, providing a sense of normalcy through all this. Thank thanks you so very much, Bruce. Bruce. Appreciate the call. Um, I think specific to Benoit, I just feel that it's something that has been like, like I've spoken to people that just don't want to, didn't want to delve into this uh, when it was m much closer to that, that, that time period. I think the, in the time now separated from this that people can kind of sit down and assess something that has been, you know, for, for these people that were interviewed on this, I imagine there was a lot of just suppressing it. And you've seen kind of it led by Jericho on his podcast that has done a lot of extensive research into this and speaking to different people and going into it with as many questions as anyone else, because this was someone that, you know, he wanted to figure out as many answers about it. And I think, because of the addition of time, I think more people are now willing to talk about something because they ultimately have those questions or, you know, sometimes they, they say that sunlight is the best disinfectant, that why bottle all this up? Let's get this out there. Let's have this discussion about all these things that we've spoken about privately and and have the larger conversation instead of just this doesn't exist. This did not happen or it's just not to be spoken about where I think that that leaves some sense of unease in terms of, you know, getting people's closure in all of this that I imagine they were seeking from different perspective. If you're a reporter or journalist, but for those uh, characters involved, um, you know, that were close to Chris, I, I think that this was, I think time is the biggest factor. Certainly. Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, I think it's the creation of media such as, you know, these podcasts, Jericho's podcast, a show like Dark Side of the Ring that I think has facilitated a lot of these conversations because, I mean, number one, they are they are topics that are, are always, whether or not, you know, we really want to admit it, they're kind of in the back of our minds all the time. And um, it's, you know, they they there's there's a real interesting curiosity about all these topics and the fact that I think they these platforms exist encourages discussion um but i i think it's also the fact that a show like this like jericho's podcast has been able to present these topics in a non non-sensational way i think they've been able to present these topics with respect so that you know the wrestlers themselves feel comfortable um trying to get their stories out there and they know they won't be you know uh compl- they won't have their words twisted to make it sound like it was some sort of tabloid type of thing um in you know, it takes something, I think, for a company like Vice to be able to put the money towards a story like this as well, uh, to present it on a main stage. So I think all those factors probably have a bit of a role to play into it. All right. That's going to bring an end to the show. So thanks to everybody for tuning in today, listening to the show. Again, it's going to be the supersized edition of the Cafe Hangout next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Everybody can tune in and watch slash listen uh, at YouTube.com slash post wrestling. My last question for everybody out there, I've discovered Tiger King, and my poll question is, should Wei Ting have to watch Tiger King? The options are yes and yes, and we'll review it. So (laughs) do vote on whether Wei will have to watch Tiger King on Netflix, the most insane thing that I've ever seen. Well, I think I don't have a choice then, it sounds like. Um Come on, you got some homework over All the right. next little while. How are no, you finished no, it? No rush. No, I've only watched the first two episodes, but it is unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Brandon suggested <laughs> Cafe Grande Hangout. I think that's a brilliant name. For oh, the show, that's actually. pretty good. That's not bad. Awesome, awesome. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, this thing held up, so um, it bodes well for next week. So please join us then. Talk to you guys soon. 